0: Well, good morning, and welcome to, to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, March the 7th, 2016. Today we're reading from the big book and, of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we're in chapter more about alcoholism, on page 41. We'll be beginning the reading on the last paragraph on 41, and we'll read another paragraph, the first paragraph on page 42, and comment on that paragraph. Today's readers are, for the 12 steps, Nancy J., the 12 traditions, and Marie M. Our readers for the text are Mary K. W., Santa H., and Du L., the reference number for yesterday, Sunday, a special edition on FEAR, um, which was March seventh, two 2015. The SHARE ID number is 8512. That's 8512. And that was a focused presentation by Larry Kay of Chicago entitled FEAR, the Evil Corroding Thread. I will now ask Nancy J. to please read the 12 steps. Star 1 to unmute.
1: Good morning. This is
2: Nancy J., Grateful Compulsive Overeater from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The 12 steps, one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends amend to such people wherever possible, except where to do so, would harm them or others. Ten, to compulsive overeaters, and to practice these principles in all our affairs.
0: Thank you, Nancy J. I will now ask Anne-Marie M. to please read the 12 traditions.
3: Good morning, Janice, and thank you for your service. This is Anne-Marie M., compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA, oh as such, ought never be organized, but we may create service boards and committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinions on outside issues, hence, the OA name ought, ever, ought never be drawn into public, public controversy. Eleven, our primary public, our Public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you.
0: And thank you, Anne-Marie M. How our meeting works. to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Okay, Um, today we'll resume our study of the Big Book on page 41. Our first reader will read the last paragraph on that page for context, and then we will focus our shares on the first paragraph on page 42 so i will now ask mary k w to begin reading please
4: good morning janice thank you so much for your service and thank you for everyone in line my name is mary k w i'm a grateful recovered compulsive overeater just for today As soon as I regained my ability to think, I went carefully over that evening in Washington. Not only had I been off guard, I had made no fight whatever against the first drink. This time I had not thought of the consequences at all. I commenced to drink as carelessly as though the cocktails were ginger ale. I now remembered what my alcoholic friends had told me, how they prophesied that I had an alcoholic mind. The time and the place would come. I would drink again. They said that although I did raise a defense, it would one day give way before some trivial reason for having a drink. Well, just that did happen, and more, for what I had learned of alcoholism did not occur to me at all. I knew from that moment that I had an alcoholic mind. I saw that willpower and self-knowledge would not help those in those strange mental blank spots. I had never been able to understand people who said that the problem had been hopelessly defeated. I knew then it was a crushing blow. Two of the members of Alcoholics Anonymous came to see me. They grinned, which I didn't like so much, and then asked me if I thought myself alcoholic and if I were really licked this time. I had to concede both propositions. They piled on me heaps of evidence to the effect that an alcoholic mentality, such as as I had exhibited in Washington, was a hopeless condition. They cited cases out of their own experience by the dozens. This process snuffed out the last flicker of conviction that I could do the job myself. He's really getting beaten down here, and it is important for me to remember um, that uh, it, it takes being totally defeated um, even at the beginning of this paragraph that we're commenting on today, um, when they grinned at him, he didn't like it. So even though in the paragraph before, he knew he was down and he was beginning to understand. But one last time when they walked in, he didn't like them it so much because they grinned as if they knew something that he didn't know and And right then it was like he wanted to take it back almost um he didn't he didn't something made him uneasy and But then, as he listened to their stories, and I think that that's what's important is that we that what well, that's what talks to me is is that we just tell our stories, and as we tell our stories when they're ready, when their higher power is ready for them to be ready that that they'll get something out of it um and and I, I'm i going to end with that and let other people comment. Thank you. Um, and I pass.
0: And thank you, Mary K.W. Okay. Who would like to comment uh, for approximately three minutes on what was read? Okay. And I, hear Chrissy, I hear Chrissy M. Yes. Nessa R. Nessa R. Next. Melissa C. Melissa C. Anyone else? Oh, Kim G. Okay, one more for this group. No, we'll go with that then. Okay, Chrissy e. M. You're up.
5: Hi, I'm Chrissy e. M. A recovered compulsive leader and or leader and anorexic from New Jersey. Um, yeah, I had to jump in on this. This is this is really that moment when the best, the best and the worst moment for any addict. To be able to concede to your innermost self that that's it, the the dig is up. I have written um, underlined here the alcoholic mentality, and the alcoholic mentality just to me, me, the way I've come to understand it, is that is the addict mind, the one the one that um, fights to continue to live in the addiction with. The justification and the distortion of reality that you need to 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 live in in order to continue to do something because it's 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 death it's death to us to continue to do it but we need to our whole lives become fixated around keeping up the facade that we're fine and I love that it says this process snuffed out the last. Flicker of conviction. That is so important to me that the two members of Alcoholics Anonymous came to see him and helped him through the process to snuff out the last flicker of conviction. It's so important. It's absolutely so important. I'm um, going through something with my son right now where he's 18. He's in. He's going to meetings. He's stopping drinking, but thinks that maybe pot's okay, and. It's so interesting because without forcing the situation, just helping a, another addict to bring into the light their thought process is so revealing to them because we can't do that on our own. To say, oh, well, listen, if you spend all your money on that, do you think that that's unmanageability? Um, oh. And ooh, yeah, that's true. So we can't do that on our own. So we have to try so much. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks.
0: I'm sorry. Go ahead, uh, Chrissy. Can you go ahead?
6: Hi, good morning. My name is Nessa R. And I'm recovered compulsive over in Toronto, Canada. I too um wanna comment on the on the last uh, sentence we read, this process knocked out the last flicker of conviction that I could do the job myself uh, because this is such a key to step one and this is such a key to abstinence of course abstinence is not the goal but it is the beginning um, to the process of recovery There's this uh, um, weight loss program for men here in Toronto that uses a slogan that I love that I think it should be always it says if you could have done it alone you would have done it already And and this is true for me, because even in programs, I tried so many things to, and I guess the pun is intended, to have my cake and eat it too. And of course, nothing worked. Nothing worked. Um, As long as I was looking for that sense of even comfort in the food, no matter what the food was, even if it wasn't sugar and flour, um, nothing could really happen for me you know, no recovery could ensue. You know, I could you know, I could pretend that I was abstinent because I wasn't having sugar and flour. But if I'm holding on to any kind of food that is giving me that sense of ease and comfort, then of course, um I still believe I can do the job myself. I still believe that I have some power. And if I believe that I have some power and I can control, you know, the gray foods or whatever, then I don't need God. And if I don't need God, then I don't need to make a decision. If I don't need to make a decision, I don't do the action steps. And if I don't do the action steps, I don't recover. Um, so it's as simple as that. I mean, there has to be um, no glimmer of hope whatsoever. Um, I have to be a 100% honest about the foods. Once I, I put down, I would say, the staples of a of a compulsive overeater I gotta be vigilant because other foods will try to move in and for me they have moved in you know innocuous things like cherries and nuts and dried fruit you know like I gotta be very honest and say you know I really cannot have these anymore because they just keep the door open a crack and a crack is all that the disease uh, needs so I just really gotta keep this in mind that I cannot do this job myself. And so when a food gets exciting and when it starts moving into the mental obsession, I got to call my sponsor and say, you know, this food's got to go. And with that, I pass. Thank you. And,
0: And Thank you,
5: Nessa R. Okay, Melissa C., it is your turn. Melissa C.?
1: Uh, one to unmute. Can you hear Hi, me? Hi, good morning. Can you hear me
0: now? I can hear you. Yes. Okay, thank you. Sorry, I
7: was having a problem with my phone. Um my sister a recovered compulsive overeater in New York and um yeah, I'm thinking about their 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 blend, You know that they had on their face because, and how annoying that grin was to me as well when I was really beaten down. But the grin is, you know, and I know it's the grin that I give people now when they're beaten down by it because, you know, this desperation that we're finally driven to is exactly where it all begins. And so, you know, when somebody um, calls me in tears or texts me and says, this is it, I've, I've done, I've had it, I can't do this, I can't do this on my own, um, sure you know, I'm smiling because I'm hopeful that maybe maybe this is the beginning for them. And um, you know, and that I know for myself I could never do this on my own, although I kept trying, even in a way, you know, even in and out of the rooms, there was still this weird glimmer, this this thought that, um, I could somehow still maintain myself, you know, I could still kind of hang on to a little self-reliance and that I, would, I wouldn't let go 100%. And, um, and so I had that, I think, that crushing blow um, in measured doses over and over and over again until it finally was it, you know. And, um, and for me, the great aha moment was it wasn't even the weight anymore. I wasn't even at my highest weight, um, and I wasn't even eating sugar at that point but the disease had me down. And, you know, I, um, really for me, it it, my real moment of desperation. Um, I was in a home, you know, a home repair shop with my husband uh, in Lowe's on a whim. You know, we were going to look for stuff for the bathroom, and I hadn't been going to my meetings. And and I had been putting on weight, but it wasn't the weight, it was my thinking. And I saw somebody that I knew from the fellowship there. And um, and instead of running down the next aisle and hide, I went over to her. And she had a grin on her face. And she, you know, she gave me a hug and she put her phone number in my hand. And, um, you know, and I, I could feel her hand holding mine. And I felt, okay, I'm not supposed to be doing this alone and that's been a great awakening for me. I'm, listen, I can never do this alone because I'm not meant to do this alone. And um, thank you. Glad to you know that today with that up there.
0: And thank you, Melissa C. Okay, uh, before Kim G. Um, steps up, just a gentle reminder again to please keep our phones muted. I thought I heard somebody chopping. Okay, Kim G., it is your turn.
8: Good morning, Janice. Good morning, all. My name is Kim Jean. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. If I thought myself an alcoholic and if I were really lick-based time. You know, I love the word if. The word if is a condition. So as we're wrapping up step one, these are questions we need to ask ourselves because, you know, I really thought being a compulsive overeater was about my food and my weight. And I defined my compulsive overeating by the consequences of my overeating, how overweight I was, how many times I threw up, all those different things. But do I really understand and believe myself to be an alcoholic, a compulsive overeater of the type they describe in this book? Do I believe I have the allergy? Do I believe there are certain foods that once I ingest them, regardless of the reason I ingest them, that I have a phenomenon of craving, that I am not like other people, that I am a distinct entity? Well, am I still thinking, yeah, you guys might need to do that? But you know, I can moderate. You know, I can use these yellow foods or these gray foods. If I, you know, I'm not eating X and Y, but if I have five bananas, that's okay. You know, if I eat two pounds of a starch, but that's okay because it's not, you know, my heroin. I'm just smoking pot, like it was said earlier. You know, if I'm trying to control it, it's a problem. It's a problem. So do I believe I have the allergy described in this book? And secondly, do I believe I have the mental part? Am I able to get abstinent and happy? That was a big thing. I could get abstinent for periods of time, but I couldn't be abstinent and happy. Did I believe that I, you know, was I the victim of a delusion that I could wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if only I managed well? But this mental obsession was simply going to be enough for me to just do the tools and, and have a support group? Do I believe that if I, if I have the world look a certain way, I'm going to be okay? Because I don't know about you, I thought I was an emotional eater. But the fact was, I ate when I was happy, I ate when I was sad, I ate when I was angry, I ate in a good relationship, I ate in a bad relationship. Jim and Fred and these other two stories tell me, it, I cannot arrange my life in such a way that I am not going to want to eat. So do I believe I'm an alcoholic of that type? And the second part is if I am licked for good. The big book doesn't ask us if if we're willing to put the food down one, one day at a time. My thing is, well, when I lose 30 pounds, if I'm abstinent for 90 days, when I get to this wedding, then I can go back and I can moderate. The big book is asking us, are we licked this time? And what does that look like? And I'm going to finish with this on page 151. This is what it looks like for me. And the book describes, now and then a serious drinker being dry at the moment says, I don't miss it at all. Feel better, work better, having a better time. Exact problem drinkers, we smile at such a Sally. We know our friend is like a boy whistling in the dark to keep up his spirits. He fools himself. Inwardly, he would give anything to have a half a dozen drinks and get away with them. He will presently try the old game again for he isn't happy about his sobriety. He cannot picture life with or without alcohol. Someday he will be unable to imagine life either with alcohol or without it. Then he will know loneliness such as few do. He will be at the jumping-off place. He will wish for the end. And with that, I pass.
0: And thank you, Kim G. Okay, who else would like to comment on what was read for approximately three minutes? Basa O, do
5: L, L, Nadia, L, B, L. Nadia B, Asa and Oh, wait a minute. No, Duel, and who else?
0: Nadia B. Nadia, yes. Nadia B. Anyone else? Vasa O, Duell, Nadia D, Sue G. Anyone else? All right, let's go with those four. Vasa O, it is your turn. Please go ahead.
9: Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Janice, thank you for your service, and I am grateful to recover compulsive Oviedo calling from uh, uh, Florida. By the time I came to my first OA meeting, I was so bitten with, with the disease. I, I remember saying, this. I'm just going to die. I had given, I mean, 100%, I had given up to that point, like, you know, maybe, like maybe half a year or so. I remember saying, well, maybe this is going to work or maybe that's going to work and nothing. And I remember saying, well, I'm just going to eat because there's nothing I can do. I'm going to eat and be miserable, and, and I'll die, you know. It was very scary. I felt very afraid, terrified, because I had seen family members suffer from this disease and with all kinds of physical problems and death, you know, heart problems, diabetes, all kinds of problems. And I was the beginning. It was the beginning. I was 41 years old when I came to this program, and I was beginning to develop those symptoms, you know, and I just thank God every single day, thank you for bringing me to my first OA meeting. And um, I remember I did get my abstinence right from the beginning because I was terrified I, was, I, was, I took it very, very ser- seriously, and I you know I, I did step one, two, and three at the same time, but I could not imagine living life with those certain alcoholic foods. I couldn't remember living for the rest of my life without them. And I remember my sponsor would say, just it, just for today, just for, it was torture. It was torture. I was a grazer. I'd start in the morning and not finish at nighttime. Like, even if I went to sleep at nighttime, get up at one o'clock or two o'clock, I'd check the refrigerator. I and mean, it was getting so progressive. So, um, as I said, she said, just do this one day at a time, one meal at a time, and not to have anything, not to put anything in my mouth between breakfast and lunch, or lunch and supper, or supper after that. You know, it was just horrible, you know. But I kept on asking God for help, get on my knees, please God help me get through this. Kept on going to my programs, picked up the tools, you know. Uh, And that's what got me at the beginning and it became like a way of life today, you know. Um, again, as long as I don't run to those alcoholic foods, then I don't trigger the allergy, and I don't have that mental obsession. Even if I do, it's okay. It's okay for Vasa to think about You can think about it, but don't act on it. So thank you, and I pass.
0: And thank you, Vasa. Oh, and everyone stay into the three-minute limit. Yes, do L. It is your turn.
10: Good morning. This is L, Recover Compulsive Overture from New York. Thank you very much, Janice. Um, yeah, I see here that uh, Fred is is taking his first step. You know, he's feeling hopelessly defeated, and he realizes he's powerless and he doesn't understand it all because um, he's been playing around. You know, he's been uh, abstinent, and then he goes back into the drink and he gets you know, sober, and then he goes back into the drink. And then finally, you know, at this point in time, he's, he's hitting bottom. He's just like, he can't do it anymore. And, and he realizes his powerlessness. Again, he doesn't understand it all, but, but he knew that others had recovered and they stay sober, and he wants to find out more from them. And as, as he's going through this process, we see that there are two members here of Alcoholics Anonymous, and they're grinning. And he doesn't like that, right, because he's realizing he's cornered at last. Um, he has his proposition. You know, he, he either goes towards a solution, um, which he's kind of like known all, all along, or he continues with the problem, and he continues to progressively go down. Um, And then he says, they they piled up on me heaps of evidence uh, to the effect that the alcoholic mentality such as existed um, was a hopeless condition. And, you know, and the reason why they can do this is what um, page 18 says, that the ex-problem drinker who has found a solution is properly armed with facts about himself. And generally, can win the entire confidence of another in a few hours. Until such an understanding is reached, little or nothing can be accomplished. So, two things are going on here. One, the um, the alcoholic or compulsive over that needs to be armed with facts about himself, right? Um, experience, strength, and hope. But most important, what's found in these pages? You know, the experience from these pages the experience of the collective 100 men and women who have recovered, you know, they found a solution. They found a way out. And that's what they're conveying to this, to Fred, you know, is that there is a way out. And if you follow the recipe, you follow the, the uh, instructions, the clear-cut instructions that are found in this book, then he has a way out out of his malady. Um, you know, the hopeless condition, and then it says, when he went through this process, the last flicker was snuffed out. You know, he had to make a decision. Do I go towards recovery, or do I continue to go towards my disease? And he chose to go towards recovery. He chose to follow the instructions in this book, and we're going to see how that changed him and, and how it helped him Finally, stay sober. To finally stay at a place where he couldn't do it before, and and the solutions here on these pages. And with that, I pass.
0: And thank you, Drew L. Nadia B. It is your turn.
10: Good morning, Janice. Thank you so much for
11: your service. This is Nadia B., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, um, in Connecticut, and I love. Fred, today, you know, Fred, um, I, you know, stepped into Fred's footsteps through my recovery and also in my, um, you know, I still remember this day uh, when I realized that my condition was hopeless. It was, you know, after I've decided to fire yet another sponsor and, um, you know, decided to try this on my own. And, um, you know, I remember the day when, you know, uh, for about two weeks, everything went fine, and I was able to uh, control my weight with binging on low-calorie foods and exercising. And, you know, all went well. And um, one day, I went to um, feed my neighbor's cats as they went on the trip, and, they had all this foods that I didn't have in the house. And, uh, you know, somehow I ended up um, eating them all. Um, and, you know, I thought, well, not a big deal, you know. And um, the next day, you know, I thought everything would be fine. And, uh, of course, nothing was fine the next day and the next day and the next day. And, um, you know, one day, someone called me from program to ask me how I was doing. And I finally realized that I was not doing so well. And, you know, as she was speaking, the evidence hit me. um, And I started sobbing um, on the phone. And, you know, by the end of that conversation, I realized that I could not do the job myself and that I was cornered at last. I finally could understand, um, you know, that who I am. And, you know, after listening to all of you guys speaking, I finally realized that I was one off and I was not an exception. And, you know, because I was one off, and, um, I was a true compulsive overeater. I couldn't do the job myself, and um you know that was that was my gift of hopelessness and hope and um you know, if you are as hopeless as I was um this program is for you um I think, as well as it was for me, and it saved my life. So thank God for the day of hopelessness and thank God for this book and for all of you guys. Thank you. With that i
0: And thank you to you, Nadia B. Okay, Suji, it is your turn.
12: Thanks. Good morning. This is Suji from Michigan. And I remember I came in a long time ago um, into OA. Definition then was was overeating and didn't have anything else added on to it. And I remember when they they changed it to compulsive overeating, I started thinking the word compulsive. And I used to think it was so fair because unfair because they added on eating behaviors and leading uh, moving toward a a healthy weight and I thought, Well I you know, I was just working on this abstinence thing and just not overeating and um, had to rethink everything and I I, I thought you know well alcoholics don't have to go through that but they do they have drinking behaviors Um, there are places sometimes that they can't go when they're first a little baby coming in and uh, there are Things they have to avoid. There, there are so many things. I remember, I had to avoid certain lines. Now I'm getting stronger. Where in the grocery store, but I'm getting stronger where I can go down those lines, uh, those aisles, and, and not have it bother me. But uh, it's not for me. It's not enough just to not be compulsive eating or overeating. But it's those food behaviors. It's where do I eat? When do I eat? Um, those are my behaviors that to be absent. I have to have those also under under control. And I have to concede that you know that I'm I'm not I'm not there yet, and I have to, I'm still learning. I'm still learning what what they are, and I uh, know this is a little probably a little confusing to some people, but um, you know I I just I have to, every time I read where we read and we talk about compulsive overeating. I always go, and food behaviors. And is my weight moving toward a healthy lifestyle? And with that, I pass. Thank you.
0: And thank you, Suji. Okay, would anyone else like to comment on what was read? All right. If not, I can. we can go on to paragraph two. And uh, Santa H., would you please please read?
13: Hi, good morning, family. My name is Santa H. Santa with the No, grateful, recovered, compulsive over calling in from New Jersey. Then they outlined the spiritual answer and program of action, which hundreds of them had followed successfully. Though I had been only a nominal churchman, their proposals were not intellectually hard to swallow. But the program of action, though entirely sensible, was pretty drastic. In it meant I would have to throw several lifelong conceptions out the window. That was not easy, but the moment I made up my mind to go through with the process, I had the curious feeling that my alcoholic condition was relieved. As in fact it proved to be. Wow! Um, I'm grateful to be sharing on this paragraph. And I'm grateful to be back on this meeting. I'm grateful to be home, and grateful for everybody who shared this morning and. Um, it resonated with me um, quite in many ways. Um, I also like Fred. I identify here um, so closely to Fred's story because my experience with this paragraph is um, I am grateful that I, I came into a way where I was able to see all of the view where the problem had been solved. And I had my own spiritual foundation, and I didn't come here for that. (laughs) I came here because I wanted to lose 100 pounds, and that is it. But what this program has taught me is that, um, that I had to look at this whole concept of why I was eating from a whole new, different perspective. And that's what the gift this program had given me. And I had to learn from my experience that food was just a symptom and that losing weight would not solve my problems. And I really thought that once I lost all that weight, my problems would go away. Well, surprise, it didn't. And so my path was not a straight path. I mean, I came in, it was easy, put down a sugar and flour. But I can see share so eloquently, I was still controlling um, one ingredient in my diet. And for me, that was nuts because I did not want to give up my vegan lifestyle. But I had to throw that life-long, lifelong conception out the window. Although that was the way I ate as a child, it wasn't the way that my higher power wanted me to continue going forward. So I had to go through the steps not once, but twice. And I went through it accidentally at that point in time it was easy for me to throw away lifelong conceptions out the window because as I was going through the process I began to see how wow this there's some i I'm experiencing this. I'm experiencing what these people are saying in this book. I'm experiencing what you all are reading and sharing day in and day out in this meeting. All that I'm hearing I'm saying yeah, yeah yeah but but I'm so grateful, so grateful But I have reached a point where I have thrown away many tribal thinking, and I have picked up a new conception that my higher power has granted me that works for me, and I continue to grow and evolve. Have I gotten rid of all my lifelong conception? No, I am not that arrogant to say I have. I still continue to walk in humility, and ask my higher power to keep me with an open mind but I can be humble enough to continue to go on this meeting and listen and learn something new that I don't know at all.
5: And with that, I pass.
0: And thank you, Santa H. Okay, who would like to comment on this paragraph?
1: Charles H. Um,
0: okay, we're all waiting. Charles H, I heard. And who else?
14: Sally,
1: Lea.
0: Leah M. I hear Reba P. Sally A, I hear. I hear Leia M. I hear Reva P. Who else? Renata. And Renata. Let's go with that for now. Okay, Charles H., you're up.
1: Thank you, Janice, for your service. Just, y- y'all got to time this thing right so y'all can get in. I'm just go. Good morning. Love Monday mornings now, man. What a transformation. Outline the program of action. Although, you know. He's a dr. he didn't say I don't think he said drastic proposal like they said in Bill's story, but drastic like a drastic like a like a like a like a, a father lion kicking out the, the adolescent son. Yeah. Drastic like two male lions still in the car uh to take over. Yeah. Yeah, that drastic. Um I love what Laurie C says. You know, I don't want my sponsees calling me, talking about my, my cat and, and my husband and my boyfriend. No, put it in the fourth step. Outline the program of action. Don't be calling me with all that whining, right? You know, don't be calling me with all that 98% sharing in in, in, the, in, in the OA means, right? Like, let's go out into the world and, and be that big book. Not that we're forcing it down there, but they're not talking about step work. That's why they I wonder why I'm in the food. I wonder why I'm in a fool because I'm not outlining a program of action. I need to outline that program of action, follow it every day. I am not I, – if I don't have a 10-step every day, then, then I'm perfect. Outline pr- every day the program of action, right, action. It takes action to put that fool down. It takes action to keep that fool down. You can pray to God all you want, right? But he ain't going to force you to put it down. Outline a program of action. Yeah, it's drastic. It's drastic just like uh, those two examples that I gave. And with that, I pass. Thanks.
0: And thank you, Charles H. Okay, Sally A., it is your turn.
15: Good morning, Revision, for you. Good morning again, Janice. It's Sally A. in New New York, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, Thanks for letting me share um, I there's so much here, but I just love that we really are having sort of a small uh, lesson in in bringing the message to other people, and we see it in these two paragraphs. We saw it in that upper paragraph where they grinned, he didn't like it so much, and they asked him two important questions. Do you believe, do you concede to your innermost self, which is step one, page 30 tells us this, do you concede to your innermost self that you are, in our case, a food addict or a compulsive overeater? And number two, if, do you, are you licked? Are you done? Those are the two questions I see them asking here. You can see to your innermost self that you really are an alcoholic, and are you done? Because there's no sense in talking to you if you're not those two things, if you don't know that much. And then coming down, we see in this next paragraph, Though I had been only a nominal churchman, their proposals were not intellectually hard to swallow. But the program of action, though entirely sensible, was pretty drastic. Sheesh! I mean, it's not like you're asking me just to like go on a diet. You're not just telling me that you know my Weight Watchers plan of eating 25 points of ice cream a day isn't working, so I'll do something different. Um, it meant I would have to throw several lifelong conceptions out of the window. And by the way. That's the set aside prayer from the get go. We set aside what we think we knew about this, that, and the other thing. It meant I would have to throw away several lifelong conceptions out the window. That was not easy, but the moment I made up my mind, and this is where I want to just settle. Oh, I didn't. I didn't turn on my timer, Janice. So I'm. I'm waiting for you to tell me time. I made up my mind to go through with the process. I had the curious feeling. That my alcoholic condition was relieved, as in fact it, it proved to be. Because what I see in those words is surrender. The moment I surrendered, the moment I made up my mind to go through with the process, I had a curious feeling, ah, my condition was relieved, as in fact it proved to be. Thanks for letting me
9: share with that our best.
0: Just on time. Sally A., thank you. Leah
15: M., you're up.
9: Thanks so much. So much in this paragraph. Thank
14: you. Uh, then they outlined the spiritual answer and program of action, which a 100 of them had followed successfully. I mean, you know, those that had blazed this trail came forward with a message of depth and weight. These men and women um, had recovered, and the problem had been solved, and they were able to transmit something because they had something to transmit. <laughs> they had had a spiritual awakening, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery, and now they were able to carry that message because they could teach what they knew. <laughs> you know, you can't lead where you don't go, and you can't be what you're not, and you can't give what you ain't got. And they were able to give because they had something to give. Um However, you know, being on the other side of that table, uh, you know, I had to get beaten to a pulp um, to admit this powerlessness. Because if I kept thinking that I had the power, then it was going to block off anything else that could help me. If I didn't need power greater than myself, um, you know, then there was no urgency, no necessity for these steps. The big book taught me uh, that alcohol, that food for my condition um, was just a symptom of the problem. I knew everything there was about compulsive overeating. I had sat in the rooms for five years daily. I had a wide variety of experience with active compulsive overeating and its progression. What I didn't know about prior to January of nineteen eighty seven is how does Leia live in Leia without having to binge her brains out uh, in order to stand it. <laughs> I did not know that, neither did I know that freedom wasn't going to be free. Freedom wasn't going to be free. There was a price to be paid because more than my compulsive overeating had to be arrested. My own conceptions, my own philosophy, my ideas, my beliefs, my attitudes had to be confronted and overhauled. That was the necessity and the... Uh, importance of the step process because this is going to be far more than just the mere elimination of my binge foods this was going to be about a restored life a renewed life a rehabilitated life and the steps were designed to cause that spiritual awakening that personality change in me and that's exactly what occurred and that's what we're all here about those who have recovered this is about uh, you know the raising of the dead how do you uh... How how do you explain being totally enslaved by compulsive overeating as I was, and yet I was able to, as a result of these steps, rise up out of a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body? That has been my experience. And now I come to say you, too, can engage in this process, and having had a spiritual awakening and being restored to sanity, you, too, can lead someone uh, down that path. And with that, I pass. Thank you.
0: And thank you, Leah M., Okay, Reva P., uh, we have uh, five more minutes, so if we could take two and a half minutes apiece, it would be great. Reva P., and then followed by Renata. Please go ahead, Reva.
16: Good morning. This is Reva P., Grateful, Recovered, Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. I wanted to touch on a few points, and I have my timer. Um, First of all, the word then, which reminds me, they outlined the program of action after this Fred um, reached his step one. So I can talk and talk and talk about program, but until um, the person I'm working with has reached their bottom, it's not going to be very effective. Second, they outlined a program of action. They didn't outline a program of analysis or a program of thinking. And this program is all about taking the action, taking the steps. Third, It's drastic, which reminds me it's simple but so not easy because the major point is changing my lifelong conceptions. And I didn't know how many lies I believed in. I didn't know how twisted my thinking was, not just about the food, but about life, about people, places, things. And the only way I learned that and saw In black and white, what my old false beliefs were was by making the decision. He said he made up his mind this time, making up his mind is about taking step three and going through with the rest of the steps. And once I take the steps and do four to nine and see what my old thinking is and how it's wrong and not serving me, then Um, I can begin to live the recovered life, which is uh, constantly remembering as I did this morning when I thought I got the plan for my clients, I know what I'm doing today, that already is dangerous because I don't know, I need to keep asking and asking and pausing. As soon as I think I can roll up my sleeves and I'm good to go, whether it's food or anything, anything in my life, then I'm in trouble. Um, and it's constantly changing my thinking, changing my beliefs. What do you think, God? Um, what is your opinion of what is right action and right thought? And with that, I pass.
0: And thank you, Reva, Reva P. Okay, Renata, it is your turn.
16: Hi, Janice.
17: Good morning. Thank you for your service. Good morning, family. This is Renata G., Recovered compulsive Read in New York. Yeah, this is a very powerful paragraph. It says, then they outlined the spiritual answer in the program of action, which hundreds of them had followed successfully. So, you know, the spiritual answer, right? Step two came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. But if I don't think I'm insane, then I don't need the spiritual answer. So, you know, like everyone else shared before, I need to have really taken step one to go through with the process. Otherwise, I'll never submit myself to this, you know, and for me, um, you know, insanity didn't mean that I had to weigh 500 pounds or that I didn't have any friends or I never got out of the house, but my life was completely unmanageable, you know. Every waking moment I was thinking about food. I remember this one time I was in a clothing store and all I could think about was the chocolates they have up front by the cashier. And then I realized that there's something wrong with my thinking. This is not even a food store or, you know, getting up in the morning, getting dressed for work. And, you know, there was a torture right there. I I didn't want to live that way anymore, you know, in bondage, in prison. Uh, not allowing myself to participate or enjoy anything in life because this disease took over my thinking constantly. And so I had to admit that I needed help because on my own, everything I've tried my entire life did not work. And so, you know, this program showed me the program of action, you know, what I needed to do in order to establish a relationship with power. You know, and it talks about how he was a church man and all of that. Like, I used to go to church in the past. And today when I hear some, you know, whatever pastors or people from religion speak, they they talk about the things that we do through this process. Like, forgive others, right? Do not hold resentments. Make amends if you harmed anyone. But I couldn't understand that. I couldn't hear that. First, because I was in the food and also because I needed a practical program to show me how to apply that into my life. And uh, one last thing, you know, a hundred of them had followed successfully. So I had to believe that if it worked for others, it would work for me too. And it did. You know, when I made a decision that whatever I tried did not work and became willing to do what was being presented to me and let go of my old ideas, it worked. You know, it worked. And with that, I pass. Thanks.
0: And thank you, Renata G. Yes, I'm sure we'll continue this wonderful paragraph tomorrow. And I want to thank everyone who has shared at this time. please join us for a second, unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. (laughs) We will... We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will do, L. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only.
10: Morning, do L., Recover Compulsive Ovarian. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us.